0: Learn more at marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people,
1: what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
3: Hello and welcome to week 21 of the Foot Weekly Podcast. This is a gameplay episode and I have two familiar voices to start us off. First of all, Air Japes, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Thank you much, Ben. Happy to be back.
3: How was your birthday last week, actually?
2: Birthday was good though. I've got like a, I mean, it it happens to us all at some point in time, but like, I don't know if there's a worse day of the week to have a birthday than like on a Tuesday, Mm. like you have to start the week on Monday, you'd like, you don't really want to take like Tuesday off for your birthday and you're still going through the rest of the week. So do you try to celebrate it on the weekend before? Do you like, I feel like you just end up conceding that it is what it is and it's on a Tuesday and no, it was, it was a good birthday. It was nice. I'm, I'm hitting that stage in life now where I've picked up stupid injuries. I've got like a strained mm. bicep muscle right now, which like lifting small children, it's just like not not doing that great. But, you know, just a reminder that... My FIFA skills should be going down, but they're not, Ben. Hmm. That's not true as well. I would say I'm like, eh, it's still a top two player, na, maybe, right? Who? But uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> you've you've never been one to rely on your reflexes, anyway, right? You
2: know, That's not true.
3: A, not a high twitch player, so. And talking of well, you just mentioned him. The next guest on this podcast, we have Hubert. Plenty of you know enjoyment of the four three two one, which you know people can hear about on previous podcasts. So yeah, good to have you back on the, this one. And maybe maybe no formations this time, but welcome back. Yeah,
1: excited to be back uh, talking about uh, gameplay, especially post-team of the year. You know, squads are changing a lot. So, uh, Mm. you know, some high-stakes games, some god squads out there. So more uh, prescient than ever to improve your gameplay, if you can.
3: Yeah, definitely. And to help us all with our gameplay, and particularly, actually, I think we're going to talk about the mental side of the game. We have pro coach and a very good player as well, Stu Kerwin. Welcome to the podcast for the first time. Hello, Ben. Ah, it's good to have you. And actually, in terms of things you've done in the past around the FIFA scene, is it mainly that pro coaching side of things that, that you've been focused on in more recent years?
4: Yeah, it is uh, more recent, been coaching the regular players also,
3: but yeah, mainly focused on the pro level. Stu, I was interested to hear from you because one player we didn't talk about on the content podcast, but you mentioned just before we started recording that you think he's actually you know not not as bad as people might think or maybe offers decent value is that flashback theo walcott I and mean, he has got a base a 99 pace which isn't something you see that often actually do you kind of rate him actually you think he's all right i think i think that
4: could be a game changer coming into the 73rd 75th minute you need that extra few mm. bit of legs coming down the wing I wouldn't play him through the center, but definitely down the wing. It is one of those cards you're either going to love him or hate him, but I think mm. I would use him myself. Would you
2: actually coach a pro player to use that card? No, no. I wouldn't. <laughs> for early stage players in the game that might be needing someone off the bench, that's still you know an outlay mm. for a, a, a card that you're bringing on for 20 minutes. Yeah,
4: it is. it is. It is an expensive one. But if you've got the fodder in the club from team of the year and you haven't packed anything and you're low on coins and your bench isn't great you haven't got the coins to go and get your a Darmature right, then that's another alternative it's not a great card but it's a good card mm. it's something that is usable
3: yeah I think Theo Walker, right is the only really affordable player with max pace and that means he's the only player with max pace you can bring off the bench because yeah. you can't chemistry style boost players who are being subbed on so, in that sense, he's pretty unique and you could maybe say good value compared to the really expensive options up there. Yeah, he's he's one of the better ones to use that have come out this week. And Actually, uh, we tend to do player reviews, as people will know, at this point in the podcast. But actually, I said... You know, a bit of a, a sad indictment on future stars or maybe the difference between Team of the Year and Foot Future Stars that actually I don't think any of us have used really any of these Foot Future Stars players. Admittedly I've been traveling so I haven't had much of a chance to play. But Stu, are there any other players at all that you've seen over Future Stars? You think mm, that's someone that people might want to consider or um might actually be better than people are thinking. I guess Walcott is an example of that, but um an actual Future Stars player just to kind of put you on the spot
4: here. Looking at the future stars, I I haven't done any future stars myself. I think they're very underwhelming. They're not mm. as good as they should be. I mean, last year future stars was so much better than than this year so far. Hopefully, week two brings us something a lot better than what we've we've seen. I mean, you start comparing uh, Griezmann, the the World Cup version that they brought out, and and the future stars. And Griezmann absolutely uh, destroys the Future Stars, the best, better Future Stars card. Mm. I just don't think they're worth investing your money into these Future Stars currently. Mm. Maybe next week when the Batch 2 comes out, we can see some better cards coming out. I don't think there's a Future Stars that's currently out that I would use and yeah, definitely not on the pro circuit.
3: I was going to say, you know, normally I'd plug the content podcast, but honestly... You just heard the summary of the content podcast there. I think that's basically what we said. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's a very good point. Um, and pretty much what our feelings were overall uh so let's move on to gameplay which is you know unlike future stars exciting enjoyable and something that uh, i'm sure we can uh, talk plenty about on this podcast so first thing to mention is plenty of people as i said before enjoying Hugh your four three two one um for those out there who are using it maybe it'd be nice to, to do a bit of an update are you still using it have you made any tweaks again i know it's something you've been kind of iterating on over time um anything to kind of follow up on
1: yeah, I have been using it, um, kind of going back more to the original version that I had first posted just because the team I have now fits it a bit better. But I haven't really changed too much. The main issue I've been having, and I know some others in the Discord have been talking about this, is that so I have the right center mid right now on Get Forward, which is team of the year Bellingham. And then the stay back center midfielder in the 4 is that World Cup Vieira. But the problem is that Bellingham has higher defensive stats. I think mostly... Because of defensive awareness that when like they revert to the defensive shape, Bellingham goes to the middle and Vieira goes to right mid in like a line of four. Mm -hmm. So they're like switching positions, I think, because Vieira's defending is worse than Bellingham's. I didn't have this issue before when it was like Di Maria going forward. So I think that's the issue. I'm not really sure what we can do about it, though.
2: Put Vera at center back. Everything gets better. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: He's not a midfielder. He
1: tried it, there? actually. I don't really like using non-center backs at center back, but he's been great in midfield for me, especially just as like a stay-back player, just like winning the ball, laying
3: it off. And then I've also used him as like a drop-between uh, midfielder at times. Mm. The original issue, though, you're probably not going to generally, if you're playing this formation, have that issue because your defensive midfielder in the center is likely to have higher defensive stats than the ones on the outside but I guess for you with Bellingham he's got such good defensive stats he's probably gonna have that issue with most defensive midfielders
1: I guess if maybe if we get a certain future star as Musiala he can be the go forward uh, midfielder (laughs) Um, (laughs) Bellingham can be unbalanced and then Bellingham and Vera can stay in the middle by themselves. So I guess
3: we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. James, you don't have any particular changes to tactics and all that, do
2: you? Not really. I played a bunch of different formations this past week, but I still find the 4 3 3 to be the most fun, albeit not the best. Mm. Like I sort of just like accept that there are better formations out there, but I enjoy how it plays the most.
3: Yeah, similar for me, really. I mean, the False Nine still working nicely. It also had a huge addition at False Nine because of. Uh, The draft, 84 times 5 actually got the regular hero Ginola in there which was just casual ridiculous yeah and uh, he's great I mean actually when you look at his stats he's got a few holes that you have to kind of patch with the chemistry style but he's still yeah obviously amazing and having him at false nine and being able to kind of create opportunities off him has been yeah a nice revelation to be honest Um, and you know obviously getting player of the month Mbappe and putting him in a wide position actually he's just burning um, those fullbacks which is, is great.
2: You feel bad, like, not using him in the middle because he's so good, but he's such a mismatch out wide. But like,
3: yeah, I mean, shockers and Mbappe is really good, right?
2: This is just in. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
3: Um, but, Stu, actually, we should move on to you. What have you been playing at the moment? Feel free to take as much time as you feel want. Feel free to be a meta rat. Yeah, tell me how to use Mbappe and Janela properly, I guess. I'm actually
4: not. I'm actually not a meta rat this this year. And I haven't been for the like, la- Well, <laughs> maybe last year. <laughs> I've stuck to my guns. Um, I've used... The same tactics for three years now. Oh, wow. Same, same thing. I haven't really changed much in them. So it's a four four two 4 2 flat, mm-hmm. balanced, 50 width, 70 depth, get that high line. I don't like playing the offside trap too much. I like to be in control of it so I can trigger the offside trap if I need to. But-
3: yeah, just to clarify, because some people won't know, actually, that if you go to like 71, 72, isn't it? Um, you'll yeah. see the text change, won't you? you on on uh, the depth slider yeah and that basically means you'll get this kind of automated offside trap um, which kicks in and so you're saying you, you prefer basically not to have that but still have high depth so you can trigger the offside trap manually
4: yeah so I'm, I'm literally right on the um, cusp of of the offside mm-hmm. trap but not um automatically uh, enabling it so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very high up the pitch so I'm still winning the ball in the middle of the pitch rather than having that high line and overstepping and getting caught with the long balls over the top so the 70 depth works build up is unbalanced and i will never move away from that unless i'm going constant press mm-hmm. chance creation is on direct passing um i think it's the most effective way to build up the width is going to shock you it's 50 <laughs> uh, players in the box is five and the corners and free kicks are both on two, but this is where it will change in the instructions and you'll be like why and the reason i use them as as we go through i'll explain each instruction so you can adapt to them if you want to so the two strikers are on stay central come back on defense left mid is on come back on defense cut inside come short get into the box the right midfielder is on come back on defence, cut inside, come short, get into the box, stay back while attacking, cover centre on both centre mids, stay back on the left and right back, stay back on the centre backs, and the goalkeeper is unbalanced. And the reason why I run these tactics because I send manual runners. Mm. You've, you've seen how um, Anders Vergegang plays. He triggers the runners, he uses the R1 and R1 buttons to trigger him back players. I play very similar style to him. Um, two centre mids are just going to block anything coming through the middle. I'm not expecting them to join the attack. I'm just expecting them to win the ball and feed it out to left or right mids. When I trigger a runner manually, I can direct where my player is going to run. With the cut inside, it cuts between the left and the right back and the centre mm. back. So they're going... Into goal, And then when I'm attacking down the left-hand side, my right midfielder is attacking the penalty spot. So I've always got three players in the middle of the box at all times. So if there's any ricochets, a save off the goalkeeper, my players are on it like a, like a flash and it's a goal. Mm-hmm. Equally, with a high depth, we can add pressure, controlled pressure, and when they try and go over the top, because I'm not running off side trap, I just switch and go and collect the ball. Mm-hmm. So I've got ultimate control all the way across the pitch.
3: And so maybe it'd be useful, actually, just in terms of what you said. Imagine if listeners would try this, some of them, and myself included, maybe aren't particularly familiar with manually you know, triggering runs. I'll sometimes do a bit of that, actually. Um, but I can't say I'm particularly precise or deliberate about it, right? I'll press RB if I need a player to come towards me, or I'll press lb if i would like a player to to make a run i don't feel like there's a player running in behind something like that um but i'm not particularly yeah. like precise in what i'm doing so are there any tips um that you give i mean in terms of the mechanics you're just pressing l1 or
4: so to make it a lot easier for you for guys who aren't used to working the controller as efficiently and, and as effective and and i get lazy myself so that's That's fine. I'll move them from come short on the left and right mids and I'll put them on get in behind and I'll move the mixed attacks to get in behind as well. And that will automatically trigger those runners in the efficient route that I'd want them to. Mm -hmm. And then if I want them to pull short, I just click the R one button and call the man short that I'm looking at.
3: Mm. Let's say a listener is interested in triggering runs themselves. Are you doing directed runs or just literally pressing the L1 button for them to start making a run when they get into a certain position on the pitch. Is that the idea?
4: When I'm just getting past the halfway line, I will just spam L1. Okay. I'm triggering three or four different runners at the same time. Okay. It causes absolute chaos for your opponent to defend against. Interesting. Because you've got players going forward. Equally, once they step, because I've got five in the box... Once they step offside, they then start to revert to come back onside. The AI defenders do not pick that up and you've got a simple pass inside and you're into the back line to
3: exploit. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like in a way though, you're triggering the runs quite, not randomly, but you're, you know, I guess triggering a lot of runs. Pretty quickly, Yeah. There is an advantage to doing that then over having getting behind on the players instead. Is it because of the timing that that run happens?
4: Yeah, it's timing. Uh, in the attack, it's all about timing. Defending is about timing, getting the shape positioning to obviously win the ball. Same as attack, mm. same as you do with time shooting, etc. It's all about timing. You get the timings right. You can break the offside traps, mm-hmm. especially guys who play high pressure and you need that outlet ball, it's
3: a perfect way to beat it. Great, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. It's certainly not you know, a tactical approach that we've heard about previously on the podcast. So uh, let's take a break and we will jump back in to talking about mentality and you know plenty of other gameplay-related questions as well in part two. Welcome to the break. Normally I would mention how it'd be great if you fancied supporting the podcast and getting a bonus podcast every week for just three pounds a month. Search support for weekly but there are some other things you could do to help the podcast out and help yourself out. Uh, Prepare for me to say podcast quite a lot of times in quick succession, but if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so via various different podcast providing apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you would like to catch it on YouTube, there's not a video to it yet, although there is some nice sound waves, Uh, then you can check it out on there. Just search Foot Weekly Podcast on YouTube and do leave a like, drop a comment and subscribe. Apparently, that does good things. And on that, let's jump back into
0: part two. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today, because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. First thing I wanted to uh, cover heading back in
3: after the break is something that I would say is more of a straightforward, or at least it's not sort of so gameplay-focused. It almost has like a a squad-building content element to it. Uh, Matt says... I would like to know how the panel approaches chemistry after team of the year. As the cycle rolls on and the power curve creeps up, should chemistry still be a priority given that low or no chem doesn't reduce stats? Is it less important than we think? It's interesting because actually last cycle, you could play a player on 4chem and they would still get a slight boost. But realistically, nobody was doing that because you'd be at a disadvantage compared to your opponent who was likely to have their players on 4chem, right? So that would suggest that we're not really going to necessarily be in that situation, apart from when you get a player who's quite far ahead of the curve, like Bale, but very cheap, and people can just chuck into their team, I suppose. So you have seen more of that. But I was wondering, Hugh, let's start with you. How important do you think it is getting your players on high chemistry?
1: I feel like there's still pretty much a need for full chemistry unless you have like truly end-game players. A lot of cards have like a bit of flaw in like some stat or another and you're kind of doing yourself a disservice you know by not having them on full chem i guess the the one caveat to that would be if you have to make your team significantly worse just to get the links to the player to get them on full chem then maybe i wouldn't worry about it Mm. but i feel like right now there's a lot of options that unless you're going for a mostly like untradeable team that you should be able to get pretty good team while still having mostly full chem
3: yeah yeah that makes sense. And Japes, how are you feeling about chemistry yourself? Um, is it something you're less worried about now? or Are you still aiming for two or three chem?
2: Uh, I think I mainly aim for three chem. I used Mane on two chem for a little bit, but never bothered to get him on three. So mm. uh, my team is mainly made up of like heroes, icons, and some Byron players. So I, don't, I honestly like don't really think about it that much.
3: It's mm. interesting though, because you say that, but Mane was still on two chem so is that i guess that's the thing because he's senegal isn't he so getting the nation chemists he doesn't get any of the german moves. yeah i do think in terms of two and three chem there is a fair bit of difference but not huge compared to obviously you know zero to three is big right i think the way that people need to think about this is let's take someone like Uh, Lucio, who has what 83 pace, imagine that he had minus 8 pace and in fact had 75 pace. He'd be nowhere near as valuable as he is. And it is important to know how valuable that plus 8 you can get from those full pace boosting chemistry styles actually is. It is a very valuable boost, so you don't want to miss out on it. Um, But at the same time, you need to be aware of what another player may be able to offer with lower chem. And so the best way to check this, go on a site like foot.gg and see on, say, one, two, three chem, what that player's stats look like compared to another player that you might be using in that position. Um, So that's the best way to think about it. Like, is the player on lower chem going to come in and do a better job? But I think in most cases, you're really going to want max chem in order to particularly boost pace on defensive players. I mean pretty much every centre-back, having Max Kem on them and something like Shadow is going to make such a big difference in terms of their performance for you. And uh, let's move ourselves on and actually, Stu, what I'll come to you on is... Um, a key thing we're going to talk about this week and that is the mental side of FIFA which is really something that um, although people might think about here and there I think it's probably not focused on enough I think even for pros this is probably one of the areas that coaches will tell you pro players are weakest on and that certainly applies to regular players as well very much kind of underrated
4: Yeah, I think mentality is makes up about 80% of, of the game that you play I mean, it controls everything you do on the pitch even pro level players can lose their head and they'll end up losing the game. Mm. And this is where little tips and and little tricks can help handle the mentality side. And equally, if you've got a strong mentality, you can turn a game around, win a game um, using the pause menu, um, going into the uh, onboard computer, looking at the match details, seeing which way they look at, passing lanes where they're trying to exploit you can just refocus your mind to go okay he's using the left back for instance and he's playing into the center mid but then he's switching it out to the right mid that's something that can just reset your memory and go okay that's what happened okay that's
3: interesting so you're saying you actually would go into the pause menu at certain point, points in, in the match and then what particularly are you looking at within the pause menu that you feel would help people kind of assess a game
4: So I'd go into the pause menu, I would be taking deep breaths, I'd get a drink, for instance, Um, just to settle myself down, take my way away from that pressure in-game for the 40 seconds, but in doing so, I'm going to try and find a way I can win, Mm. a way I can get through a player. So I'll look at um, match facts and I'll go across to passing, which will bring up his formation, and it will have green lines. Thicker green lines means more frequent passes into that area. And you'll start to see a pattern your opponent is playing. Mm. Then I'll start to build a insight to how I'm going to exploit this guy and how I'm going to try and beat this guy by using his strengths against him.
3: Okay. that's interesting. So basically you're thinking this player, well, he's playing a lot of passes say out from his left back to his left winger, maybe back into the center and then, you know, to his forward or whatever. I need to think about that and, and what would you be thinking like oh I need to cut that pass particularly or cover that area and force him elsewhere or, or like what, what would be the, the kind of follow-on process?
4: So it puts me three steps ahead of him then. Mm. because I know that he's going to go from the left back to the striker and then he's going to go back to the centre mid and he's, he's probably done that a few times so I know if he goes from the left back to the striker straight away I need to stop that ball Mm. But then, if I can't stop that ball, I know his next pass is going to be into the centre mid. I'm already three steps ahead, so I can position my players around those areas mm. to win that ball.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, and that that is interesting. I, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't necessarily look into that stuff like during a match. I mean, probably not many people are looking at it after a match either. But yeah, being able to take note of it and make changes during a game you know that that is really good what kind of point in the game would that tend to be like would you be doing it um, maybe at half time I guess that's like a free pause isn't it you know um, you can you can check then but would you be doing that even in the first half or just um, you know any particular time
4: i check it at half time when I concede a goal I will go and have a look if I'm under under pressure under the cosh as I call it from him and he's overloading me heavily I'll take a pause and it will just give me that uh, 40 seconds to reset mm. have a look what he's doing and I'm. it doesn't take my mental energy to just go and look at something Yeah, yeah. and it's also a mental reset to then go in and say okay I might need to make an adjustment here
3: mm. Jakes would you say that's something that you often do in your head are you recognising patterns that opponents are playing and then looking to cut those out, I feel like having. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I feel like having seen you stream. Uh, I noticed that a lot. You'll be like, "Oh, this player's doing this." Yeah. What kind of things do you see? You know,
2: particularly? Um, I mean, people build in like muscle memory with FIFA, mm. and so a lot of their like sequences seem to be they consistently try to do like the same thing because that's the way their brain works mm. for me i don't know if i'm like as good at recognizing passing pattern sequences consistently i definitely like recognize it but like dribbling for sure mm. um because i'm always trying to bait them into making a move that allows me to take the ball away from them mm. you know it. like the left back is a great example they get the left back and there are a lot of people that will try to fake it like they're going to turn inside just to play the ball down the line and if you see that a couple times you can you can start faking like you're going to guard that inside pass, like bite on it really hard and just take it away from them. Mm. And you get a free goal often.
3: Yeah, and I, I guess, Hugh, would you say similar? You're able to kind of spot patterns that people are going for frequently in matches?
2: Yeah,
1: so basically if I see someone uh, playing a certain formation, um, I'll generally have a sense of what they're going to try to do and you know, kind of work my style of play off of that. But if they're playing in kind of a funky or weird way, um, I definitely will want to pause and like look at their formation, especially nowadays. A lot of people will play, say, like a 4-3-2-1 that defends like a 4-4-2. So you might think they're playing a certain way, even though they're not. Mm. But I think really it's just good for like breaking momentum. Say you're up 3-1 with 15 minutes left, and someone's like constant pressure going all out, and then they score. Like they're probably like trying to like skip that celebration, get back into it, get you to kick off the ball so they can start pressing. Like they're really going after it. And sometimes even if you don't do anything and you just pause for like 40 seconds, like that person who's really trying to press and get back in the game, like it makes them very impatient that they're just kind of sitting there just doing nothing,
3: waiting.
2: (laughs) But then you have to wait 40 (laughs) seconds. Yep. Uh, And that's that's the mindset.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like help break momentum in a match, right?
2: Yeah,
4: absolutely. And that's what you're looking to to break. It's that power, that pause... Yes, as you said, it's really frustrating if you're on the back end of it, but it's really beneficial if you're on the other end of it. Mm. Because you know that they're gonna start running players at you because they want that goal. They wanna get that extra goal. They want to try and force. That's when you can force their errors and that's when you can capitalize. Mm. Just by taking that pause, you've reached and focused on what you need to do.
3: Mm. And I'm thinking like, you know, if I'm playing against a very good player. I'd be pausing it all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you know when to pause it or when not to pause it or when's a good point to kind of break that momentum and uh, maybe you know have a have a rain check in terms of what they're doing, what your what their squad's looking like, that kind of thing.
4: I would pause on the first goal that you concede if it's um, something where you've made a mistake or you're just not focusing. I'd take a pause then. Okay. You also obviously get the pause at half time, so you could do it in the first half. That's not an issue. But the way you pause is. You don't pause on the screen so it comes up. You wait till the ball goes out of play, then you hit the pause because you don't want to give your opponent the satisfaction of going, right, you've got the pause there. I'm going to make you sit and wait for that pause and I'm going to hold the mm. ball. And that's mental. That that really can be mentally draining and and you can get really frustrated and you'll see a lot of people rage quit if you see the pause come up and you just hold the ball and start recycling it back. Hmm. And it will give you that upper hand to beat that opponent you're playing against.
3: And actually, talking about that kind of thing, one thing I've always felt has helped get a mental edge massively is whether you've conceded or you've scored, actually, when you get that first possession, so that might be off kickoff, is to keep the ball in your possession for a bit just to kind of slow things down. And I guess actually in thinking about it, that's kind of similar to what a pause would do, right? Just kind of taking control, taking back some of the momentum or um, showing you're not going to allow them to take momentum in a, a game where you've just scored.
4: Yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, when you when you first score, and like I said, it's not really talked about that much. It's the next step that you take. Do you continue to try and get that second goal mm. or do you try and take control for the next five, six minutes and make him use his use his controller to switch and keep switching and keep switching and keep switching, and then trying to break him down through the passing lanes mm-hmm. and then score another. Because once the opponent concedes, um, they've only got one mindset, and that's, I need to score. So they're going to be overstepping. They're going to start attacking. A good player will just compose themselves and take back control. So it's important that you hold on to the ball for the next five six minutes and just get a foothold and then go again and try and get that second goal advantage hmm. on the flip side of that if you've just conceded and it's say it's like the 26th minute you've got so much time to score one goal you don't want to be going into halftime at two nil down going in at one one nil down at the break is absolutely fine because you know you'll get chances in the second half to score that goal then the mindset to stay calm and composed during that one-nil down, the guy who's been in the lead all the time is going to be frustrated because he's because you've cons- you've scored. So this is where the shift in mindset happens. Just having that intelligence play with intelligence and not with aggression, and you'll start winning a lot more games for sure.
3: I like that a lot. I think it's really good advice, and I think something that if listeners take away it's bound to get them more wins, right? It's almost like a a guarantee. Whenever I've been locked in, really used that kind of mental edge in games across a weekend league, for example, I'm almost guaranteed to go up a rank, right? (laughs) It's amazing how much difference it makes. If you can maintain that mental edge throughout these games that you're playing, it will definitely get you many more wins. Um, Are there any kind of quick tips you'd have for people? Things that might help them um, improve their um, kind of mental edge from kind of I don't know whether it's like settings or anything along those lines that you think can help.
4: Yeah. Um, first thing I would turn off is the commentary. That's the last thing you oh, okay. want to be hearing is 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 someone in your ear um, telling you that you're down bad. <laughs> um, that doesn't help. Yeah. If you've just come out of a, a real tough game and you you feel like oh that was a that was a real hard game that was and and it, every pro player gets it, every Um, average player they'll play a player who is really solid and you're like okay that was a tough game you don't want to be going into the next game straight away you want to take a break equally if you've just taken a a a loss and you're a bit frustrated a bit tilted just just don't go into that next game Mm. just there's no point you go into that game with the wrong mindset from the last game you'll lose that game Mm. I guarantee. I put. I put eighty five percent of it. That if you go into that game, you will lose it. If you're in the wrong mindset from the previous game.
3: Yeah, yeah. I can believe that um here's a question we've had which we do i guess talk about on this podcast this particular question um a fair bit but i thought it'd be quite interesting to get your take on it um Hav was saying he's finding that since the patch controlling the game when he's ahead is more difficult opponents will always go press after possession loss and constant pressure if i'm two or three up and i find it's tough to slow down the game um and avoid turning it into a basketball match Does anyone on the pod have any tips for when you're in this scenario to avoid allowing your opponent back into the match? Um, He says he tries to take things like short goal kicks to uh, keep possession, but it isn't always possible. Um, I guess that is kind of a mental thing, but there's also probably some like technical um, elements to um, retaining possession and kind of slowing momentum. Um, But anything along those lines that might help people asking this sort of question, um, Stu, would be helpful, I'm sure.
4: Recycling? going from left-back to right-back, using the back line, obviously if he's pressing, you've also got another option in your goalkeeper. From Mm -hmm. the goalkeeper, you want to be looking to hit the wings, the left and the right mid. If you're using wingers or left and right cams or your left and right attacking mids. Mm -hmm. If you're using a narrow formation, it's more difficult. So I would try and avoid the narrow formation against somebody who's who's uh, constant pressing. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to exploit the width um, recycling the ball with the lofted lofted balls, lofted passes from mm-hmm. left to right work, but equally going back to your goalkeeper and allowing him to press your goalkeeper to maybe to the edge of the box and, and, and you obviously use your right back or whoever's free. And then they will then press with their midfielder. It gives you a midfielder, they'll pass an option in there and then you can go on and score. But the, with the new patch, the way it works is if you get in behind, the defenders take longer to recover. So you, if you've got some quick players, going back to that uh, Wilcott card, if you've got him on the wing, you can play that through ball and he'll be gone with his 99 pace. Mm. And that's the sort of thing that you need to look for.
3: I mean, that's the thing. It should give you a, an advantage, right? If someone's, I guess that maybe is the mentality side of it, isn't it? It's like if you see someone pressing, press off the possession loss, constant pressure, you know you have the upper hand, right? That's what you should be thinking, right? I'm now at an advantage. Yeah because they're going to expose themselves defensively. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm under pressure, but actually it's your opponent that's feeling the pressure at that point, right?
4: Yeah, and that goes back to the point where I said about the seeing the pause coming up on the screen. If you know it's coming around the 80th minute and there's a pause come up, hold the ball. Don't let that ball go out of play. Pass it all the way back to your goalkeeper. Even if you're on the halfway line, do kick-ups with your goalkeeper. That that really frustrates your opponent <laughs> because they want that that, that ball coming out. It, it, and by that time, they're thinking, oh, this guy's just not going to give me the ball. They need to take a shower
3: <laughs> after this episode. Oh, really the dirtiest tricks in the book, yeah. Well,
1: and it is kind of a thing in, in real life, too, just to go off yeah, of that, yeah. that, like, when they talk about City, of course, and then, like, Brighton, where, like, a player will have the ball and he's not being pressed and he'll just stop and he'll just stand still. And, like, it's just agitating to the defenders because, like, especially the fans, they're, like, you're just going to let someone just stand there you're not <laughs> even going to press him, And then, like, someone runs up, like, sprints at them when they shouldn't. You play one pass, and now you're past them, and then you're just, like, playing through someone. Like, you don't have to troll people, but it's just, like, inviting them, like, hey, move forward and give me more space to play in rather than compressing all the space, and now
3: I'm going to lose the ball. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. In fact, there's a video on that, isn't there? I think it's a T4RL video, Hugh, which is called something like, Why do Brighton players stand on the ball? Something like that. Yeah, I think so. It was pretty recent, it was quite recent, and and I was thinking when I was watching that that is something that you can take into foot for sure. Um, just kind of encouraging your opponent to actually commit. Um, so many players just want to stand off you. Anything else in terms of kind of pressure? I guess feeling the pressure, you know, the mental side of the game uh, that you kind of think that we haven't covered so far. That you think it'd be good. Listeners might want to hear about. Might help them this weekend if they're playing champs.
4: Make sure you're hydrated. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, the biggest
3: thing you can do because with the concentration
4: levels being locked in for a game for six minutes a half is a long time if you're dehydrated Mm. don't put like a time scale on how long you've got to complete 20 games of foot champs or how long you've got to try and get that play with freedom and at least enjoy what you're doing Mm. if you're not enjoying it turn it off
3: do you think that it's fair to say you know i mean obviously not everyone can take if they're trying to play champs can actually take the time to spread out their games or to take breaks if they lose or if they're in an intense match. But would you want to say to people, like, that stuff is so important that actually, even if you have limited time, you're going to get more wins by doing those things than just blasting through matches because your win rate is going to drop so much by the end.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, I, if I'm in a rush, I will just literally go to 11 wins rank four or whatever it is and out don't put unnecessary pressure on yourself just play each game as it comes mm-hmm. if you if you play 20 games and you play well for 20 games and you win 20 games that's rank one mm. so yeah like i said just don't put any unnecessary pressure just play
3: your game mm. and do what you want to do on the pitch i think that's something Jape certainly uh, certainly lives by eh?
2: mm-hmm. just doing my thing
3: just do your thing on the pitch. And also like, I think you're someone who you'll play games. You'll enjoy the games you're playing. Maybe if you, if you, if you are. Um, And you know, if you're not, you'll just stop. Like there's no pressure to get to a specific rank so much as to just enjoy the FIFA that you're playing.
2: The, I don't know, like light bulb switch for me was when I first got married, I would like get frustrated with some games of FIFA and like go back to hanging out with my wife and be like, in a sour mood. And I was like, what's the point of this? Like, why Mm, why is this game going to put me in a bad mood? That's unreal. So I just, like, from that point on was very much just like, this is so silly. Um, Like, if I'm ever feeling like this is putting me in a bad mood or I'm just like not having fun, like, why would I, why would I do something that's not fun when it comes to a video game? Like, why?
3: Well, exactly. The times that I've been in a bad mood after games is almost always when I've played too many games and have as a result kind of struggled and just got frustrated it's not even like you know I I don't mind losing losing is not bad but the problem is when you get into a mindset where everything starts to get on your nerves in the game that that really affects your mental state and at that point you need to stop and if you need to stop for the entire weekend if you need to stop for the next week do that I think that's probably the biggest takeover you know you can Takeaway about foot, right? Um, just having that balance. I know he you took a long break, didn't you? Uh, maybe a month over Christmas or something like that.
1: Yeah. I just like got to the point where like even when I was winning, I wasn't really enjoying it that much. So I was like, just take a break. You know, it's it's so easy to catch up too. Like, yeah. yeah. You think like, Oh, if I miss a month and like I'm not grinding, I'm not getting rewards. It's like yeah, but you miss a month, and you're also not spending coins on Icon SBCs, getting like base Zola. <laughs> mm-hmm. A month from now, you can get for hundred k a player that's as good as like Future Stars Gavi. Right now, is like five hundred k. So like mm. you you'll be fine. You can definitely catch up. And I would say also just in general, like don't let FIFA be your only fun hobby. Have another game or like you know, something else. And not, I'm not talking just like working out or like hanging out with friends. Cause I think most people do those things, but like have another game or some other non video game hobby. So that way, like FIFA isn't your only sense of like enjoyment from hobbies. Mm, like that's something yeah. I found that like when, like if I get frustrated and like, I was really looking forward to like sitting down and like playing a game for a while, but I'm not enjoying FIFA. So like, I don't have a choice. Like that's yeah. not healthy, mm. play a different game or like do a different hobby. So that way you're still like having fun and it's not tied to FIFA because I feel like for a while I put so much pressure on like, if I'm not enjoying FIFA, I'm just not having fun. Mm. And then it, like it's just like a very toxic relationship with the game.
3: Yeah, it's funny actually, I've noticed a similar thing because back at home, I would have been playing every week of the main foot season, I guess, actual matches on weekends, which would, I think, help quite a lot in terms of putting champs in perspective to some extent, or at least reducing the weight placed on it. And Mm -hmm. this cycle, I haven't had that. And as a result, I think I've been more frustrated with Champs than perhaps I I would have been previously. So that could be something that might help people as well, actually.
2: I will say, oftentimes people say like, yeah, I play FIFA, but like they wouldn't describe themselves as gamers. They're like, yeah, I play FIFA. Mm. And it's like, enjoy playing another game sometimes. And oftentimes you'll come back to FIFA and your mind will be so much clearer. Like, I don't know if you've ever looked at like a puzzle and felt like totally stumped and not been able to solve it, say like a Sudoku or something, because you've just been looking at it for so long Mm. and just going away from it, all of a sudden you come back and you're like, oh, there's a solution. Like that was so obvious. I don't know how I missed that. Um, And FIFA can actually kind of be that way at times.
3: Yeah, and it probably is good to play something almost totally different that gets different parts of your brain working. You know, it might be an open world game, which is perhaps more immersive, something like that. But, I would say if you're not necessarily into other games or haven't found ones that you particularly enjoy or it's not your kind of thing, then maybe actually Rocket League could be something because it's quite similar in that it is football, but it's in a very different context, of course. Um, But it doesn't have that kind of squad building element and it's more about the kind of raw gameplay, if you like, less RNG actually as well, attributes on the thing, that kind of stuff. So it could be a nice different experience for people who want to check something out and I'm pretty sure it's free. But anyway, uh, that is probably enough on this and we should actually wrap this podcast up but yeah Stu thank you very much for coming on it's been nice to have a a different perspective I guess. No you're welcome anytime mate anytime really enjoyed being
4: on here thank you.
3: We should say you do offer coaching don't you and if people wanted to check that out and check you out I guess just search Stu Cohen on Twitter right would that be the best place? Yeah, everything I do is, is mainly through Twitter. here. Great. And thank you very much as well to Hugh. It's been good to have your insight on this one.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. A uh, content gameplay double feature. So yeah, yeah it's a fun, fun one. Um, yeah. And if uh, if anyone has questions, you can hit me up on Twitter or in the Discord. You know, if you're a, a Patreon member, definitely join the Discord if you haven't already. And lots of people that can help out, you know, squad building, gameplay tips, mm. tactics, you know, anything. It's
3: all there. Exactly. Know even non FIFA things too. If you just want to chat, yeah, exactly. That's available for football. Yeah, that's available for gold or above supporters, but every supporter, even on the first £3 a month tier, gets an extra podcast every week. It'll be whatever podcast isn't on the main feed. So this week it's content, next week it'll be gameplay. You can also go through and listen to the entire back catalogue of gameplay podcasts, which is a great resource to tap into. Loads more great resources in the Discord at the gold or above tiers. And of course, if you wanted to become an icon, and get a shout out at the end of the podcast amongst other things. So if you consider supporting, it'd be greatly appreciated and you can do so over at bit.ly slash more pod or just search support for weekly. There'll also be a link in the description. Uh, finally then, thank you
2: very much to you, Japes. Cheers, Ben. If you guys want a little more of, I guess, my chatter or whatever, you can always check out my newsletter, which is substack.com slash p2pstacks. Nice.
3: Well, thank you very much to everyone for listening and a big thank you for keeping this podcast going to those supporters, including those icon patrons dave b hugh j coach Fass, dj fifa player alan g alistair anthony r dominic p rog p jeff b stephen f tom b damon h david s nick jack m eric t neil p Adam g dan w waterman jake g roger d springford elec bracco nishant harry p alex m lee a brendan w andrew c joe w Timothy J, Dylan, Adam R, Sam K, Graham W, Andy, Ads
0: H2K, and Brian V. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, Finish it and get started on the next one. Download the app today because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Plus a special thanks
3: to Luke M, Dave B, Hugh J, Tom M, Darren W, and Pato Foot for advice and production assistance. Before I leave you, just one more thing to add though. FIFA's a bit like life really. It has its many ups and its many downs. If you're having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice, support, or even just a friendly chat for anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net. And for now, have a good one, and I'll catch you on the next podcast.